Welcome to the Restless Midlifer podcast, helping you get life back on your terms and recapture that spirit of adventure. Hi and welcome to episode 62 and this continues the batch of six if you like where are episodes where I am revisiting um, past episodes, episodes that you may have missed because they were earlier on in the life of the podcast when it was called The Sprout Sweater. This is episode six from, from The Sprout Sweater and um, I want to share it because I'm taking this time out in order to focus on other things uh, in, around the business and also to give you a chance to perhaps tap in and refresh if you've already listened to the episode on some of the key foundation principles for um, my approach, the the, the uh, midlife coaching approach, if you like, the restless midlifer, um, in terms of how to start to refocus on some of the goals and re-adventure in your midlife and getting your health back on track. And what th- this episode this week is focusing on what are you working for? What's your why? But in the frame of, are you working towards building a great resume or a great eulogy? And I'll let the podcast episode explain it. But I think this is particularly relevant because the challenge that we have as midlifers in particular is that we we end up in a direction of travel in our life because of pressures, demands, past expectations that we've set up because of perhaps upbringing, perhaps you know, career paths, um, successes at work, successes in career. And we end up working in a direction that perhaps is is not the direction that we really want to go if we think about it. And life can be so full on that we don't take that chance to think about it. So the why and tapping into it and then perhaps shifting our direction of travel as a result, I think is a really, really important aspect of approaching our re-adventuring of our midlife. But also what I find as a foundation is re-focusing on our health because our midlife health is one of those where it might have lapsed, it might have slipped, we might have put a bit of weight on over the years, might not feel as energetic, might have just lost that mojo or even the belief that we can reclaim some former energy and glory from our you know, youth if, if we ever had it in our youth. Because let's be right, not everybody was an athlete. I certainly wasn't uh, in our early years. But I think this is really important to tap into this before we then start to get into in future episodes where we revisit some of the foundation blocks on how to do it. So I'll leave you to listen to the episode. I hope you enjoy it. Let me know your thoughts or questions or feedback by emailing me at dave at restlessmidlifer.com. And as I said last week, I'm keeping you in the loop because I've launched the Midlife Reshape Academy over at midlifereshape.com. Um, I found that after working with a lot of clients over the last few years, focusing on rekindling that sense of adventure in midlife, I found that regaining health, energy, losing weight and feeling better in our midlife skin is a priority for so many of us. And as a result of working with, with clients in this sphere, we've achieved some great results. They have achieved some great results. They've done the work. Um, And what I've done is I've created the Midlife Reshape Academy um, and the content and the coaching programs within that um, to help those of you who are also interested in that access the approach, the learning, the knowledge, the research to help you get your midlife health goals back on track and start to achieve things that perhaps you thought were beyond you or past you, you know, too old or it's too late for you. It's not. So hop on over to midlifereshape.com to learn more and check out some of the client case studies and testimonials and learn how it might suit you. Take care for now. What are you working towards? A great eulogy or a sparkling resume? I was listening recently to the Peter Atia 
the Drive podcast, and he had uh, Hugh Jackman on the show, and they were discussing a lot of different things. Great podcast episode. You'll find the red link in the show notes. I do recommend it. Now, ironically, it wasn't Hugh Jackman that introduced this idea of eulogy or resume. It was Peter Atia, the host of the podcast. He disclosed, he's in the process of writing a book, and he disclosed in the conversation with Hugh that he had made a commitment to work towards a great eulogy and focus on that rather than building or continuing to build a great resume. Now, that struck me as really, really powerful. So if you think about eulogy, it's what somebody will say about you at your funeral. Bit of a dark topic, I get that. But let's just let's just park the, the, the negative aspect of it and just think about this. Because how many of us are working on something about which people will highlight and remark and talk about at your funeral? Or will that eulogy sound a bit like a resume? Your achievements, the qualifications, your experiences. And I don't know about you, but I'm not sure I'd like the latter as my eulogy. Now, I'm not knocking a resume or working to build a great resume. After all, building our experience, getting qualifications, working in different roles, challenging ourselves in different ways, doing different challenges and hobbies in our personal life. Yes, they can make up a great resume, but they can also be very fulfilling. They can lead to great opportunities and adventures in life. But I guess that begs the question, if you are working on building a great resume, why? What is the why? What is... What are the reasons? What are you doing it for? Because I think sometimes we can fall into the trap of building our resume for its own sake or building it to satisfy needs within our self-esteem. If you've got a clear purpose and a passion and a direction and part of it is to to get certain experience, get certain qualifications, they're brilliant. But how often is it that we can be driven by a need to satisfy a gap in our self-esteem? Now, so, so let, let's just kind of talk about esteem, self-esteem first. And again, I've got a little reference to this, but I found a great quote that defines self-esteem, which is a big woolly topic or terms, should I say. But I like this one. To esteem a thing is to prize it, to set a high mental valuation upon it. And when applied to persons, esteem carries also a warmer interest of approval cordiality and affection. In common parlance, then self-esteem is the extent to which one prizes, values or approves or likes oneself. I think that's a great little way to encapsulate it. And there's a big focus within um, psychology and within um, self-development on building our self-esteem or how do we manage ourselves when our self-esteem is low. And, uh, you know, I speak to many people who kind of would actively say and acknowledge that their self-esteem is a bit fragile, whether at times because they've been through tough times or because it's just generally not, not at a high level. And I can acknowledge that. And you know, I think it's important potentially to work in that area to look at, well, how can we do that? What can we add in in terms of coping strategies to help you cope with the negative things that might lead to you beating yourself up more, uh, more harshly and that kind of thing? However, self-esteem is often based on other things. It's that collective appraisal of ourselves based on a number of different factors. So, for example, we can get a lot of self-esteem potentially from, you know, our career, our salary, our status, our level of qualification, our place in a community, our faith. If we're, if you're particularly religious, you might have a strong faith and believe yourself to be uh, worthy because of that, or a good person, or I'm a kind person, or I'm very helpful. I, I do a lot of stuff for other people. I really do put myself up for other people and all admirable things in their place. But we can base our sense of worth on those things. And here's my question. 
What if we were to lose one of those things? As many of us from, you know, within our lives do from time to time, we might have a crisis of faith, for example, or you might lose that job for whatever reason, or that status, or something may happen, which means that you lose your place in a community or your home, for example. Things happen. And if we have our self-esteem rooted in those things, then whilst it may be when things are going well, reasonably high and solid, it's potentially based in a, a not so solid foundation. And when that foundation is rocked, our self-esteem can plummet. This is where I want to draw back to this idea of what are you working towards? The resume? And if it's genuinely in service of a bigger or a higher purpose, great. However, if it, is it to scratch that itch, to support that need to boost our self-esteem in a particular area? I'll be better when. I'll get that qualification. If we just move to that house, things will be okay. Um, you know, I'll get that promotion. If it's those things, then it's not about saying that's rubbish or worthless because they're not. That's part of life. But it's also about acknowledging that we potentially don't want to put all our eggs in one basket, all our self-esteem eggs in one basket. Because if we lose one or two of them, it can have a significant impact on our self sense of self, our identity, our place in life and our worth. So what about the bigger picture? Your purpose. <laughs> that, that, that is a biggie. But that's where the eulogy idea comes in. What do you really want people to remember? What would your eulogy be like? What would you like people to say about you? And how true to you, to the real you, would that be? Here's my take for, for what it's worth. I want to make a difference. I want to get a message across and see how it can help somebody else. But let's face it, I guess many of us do, even if that's in the lives of our families or our community. Um, and actually, on a side note, that can actually be looked about, down upon it for, from some people that it's not big enough. You're not, you're not thinking big enough. And I think that's bollocks. It's huge, actually, to be somebody that can have a significant place in the lives of your family. Again, that eulogy idea that you mean and have mattered in ways that they will appreciate and remember, that you weren't always away working or that you weren't always distracted with, that you had memories and moments with those people. How, how much more wonderful and powerful could that be and meaningful? I mean, that, that in itself is a mission, isn't it? <laughs> that aside, I want to do that. But I set up my business because I wanted to develop a lifestyle and have an adventure, create freedom. You know, that time freedom, that geographical freedom, that financial freedom, all still works in progress, by the way. But that's what I wanted to set it up for. And, you know, I've lost my way from time to time in business as the pressures have arisen, as I've had to learn how to become more business savvy, I guess, and to, to build a solid foundation with my business. I perhaps have parked the original seed of that idea wanting to make a difference, wanted to develop a lifestyle and have an adventure. But as well as that, I want to share messages that mean something and that can change or help. But, and this is a realisation that I've had over the last few years, I want more than that. I want my work, my business and my message to move me and to connect with something deeper inside me. I guess my soul, for want of a better phrase. And that's, that's as woo-woo as I'm getting. You'll get no more than that from me. This is what shifted my work as you know, a speaker, coach, trainer, uh, and podcaster is a realization that I was not connecting with something deeper and that deeper need for me to create. I'm creative, but I had, I think I had become a bit typecast as the sprout guy. It was great for business, but not necessarily for that deeper, richer part of me that wanted to, to express itself. Here's an admission. I realized that I want to create beauty that moves or shifts. I want to work on ideas from the silly to the sublime, and I want to move myself and others, not in a purely entertaining way, but in a way that helps them see differently 
and that meets my needs as a creative person, art. And that's a story I had to adopt because anybody who knows me knows that my handwriting is appalling. A friend of mine once said that reading one of my police statements um, was like watching a spider climb out of an ink pot and slowly die as it crawled across the paper. I'm no artist, or at least I believed that. I thought that. And then along came the sprouts and the daily sprout videos and my writing. And I realized there's more to this than neat handwriting. There is more than one way to be an artist. And that's when I decided to view my work, all of it, the speaking, the coaching, the training, as art, as creating art, art with meaning, and art that shifts or is capable of shifting. Okay, as I said, I'm very much in the process, but that's one of the key decisions I made. And in order to develop as an artist, I began to view this, all of this work, as a craft. And ironically, taking some other decisions within my business to to stop doing a lot of things helped me create some space for that creative aspect of myself to develop my craft. So whatever comes out of that for good or not so good, I'm an artist. I'm in business and that's vital. It's non-negotiable. But the heart of me, I am an artist and I approach my work as a craft. And I guess this is gets to the heart of the narratives that we tell ourselves and who we are telling ourselves, who we are behind the labels that we apply. I'm just a, or I'm a born this, or I'll never be, or who am I to think? And this idea of the eulogy or the resume for me is to try to help you cut away the chaff because we can be so busy building our resume, getting those things added to it, adding to our experience, often for a, it'll be better when, for a future purpose or state or end goal. And actually, what about now? Because life is happening right now. And it is this and what we do with our lives right now that I feel is most comment worthy in the eulogy. It will be what people will most remember of us, you, me. And that gets to the heart of who we are. Because how many of us in building our resume are forgetting that there is a core part of us that is wants something else, that wants to express itself in different ways. That may not be an artist. That may not be your language. It might be an adventurer. You know, I use that phrase a lot. It might be explore. It might be to care, to support, to do something different. It might be hidden in the work you're already doing, but clouded by the, the responsibilities, the demands and the duties and things that you have to get done or that you put in there in order to not confront that inner voice that is saying there is more. I've talked about that in previous episodes, but it's about putting it in the context of what do you want people to be saying, looking back, looking back at your life. So I'll finish with this. Neil Gaiman is an author of one of my favorite books, The Graveyard Book. Brilliant book. He's also, I think, the co-author of Good Omens with Terry Pratchett, the late great Terry Pratchett. But, but in one of his commencement speeches, he gives some of the best advice I feel that we can give, we can take to heart ourselves and that may well resonate with you. So here's what he said. The one thing you have that nobody else has is you, your voice, your mind, your story, your vision. So write and draw, build and play and dance and live as only you can. The moment that you feel that just possibly you're walking down the street naked, that's the moment you may be starting to get it right. Life is sometimes hard. Things go wrong in life and in love and in business and in friendship and in health and in all other ways that life can go wrong. And when things get tough, this is what you should do. Make good art. So how about viewing your life as a masterpiece in progress? Come on, 
dust off the canvas, rinse out those brushes and get to work. Thank you for listening. You will find all show notes, links and resources mentioned at restlessmidlifer.com. And why not spread the word? If you know a fellow Restless Midlifer, share the show and the links. And if you haven't already, subscribe to it in your podcast feed of choice. And one more thing, if you enjoy the show, it would be great if you could rate it by visiting restlessmidlifer.com forward slash review. It would mean a lot. And I may even give you a shout out in return. And a quick final thanks to my production assistant, Karen North of North VA, for, and for the music, which is called Silver Star by the awesome Logan Nicholson of Music for Makers. Check out musicformakers.com. Take care for now. And don't forget, you really can live a less stressful, much healthier and more meaningful midlife. Gory adventure. Adventure.